So next Sunday, how many of you, did you get the uh, little uh, door hanger example in the bulletin day? Aren't those lovely? Nice and, nice and big, very, very simple, very plain, simply telling people that we are praying for them. And next Sunday, we are officially launching Pray and Go. And so today, what I want to do is kind of come a bit uh, from the stables to the starting gate. I guess I, Kentucky Derby is all I can think of right now. From the stables to the, to the starting gate. And I want to try to give you this morning just a, a whole picture of the things that we've been talking about, what has brought us to this place, what's brought us to this moment when we're beginning something that we as a church intend to continue on with, with, no, with no end until the Lord says the harvest is done. And so how have we arrived? How have we arrived at this place of saying that, look, we want to be, need to be, must be a church of prayer, a church whose heart is turned outward because we are praying and lifting up those in our communities, families, neighborhoods, etc. So we started off talking about God's purpose. And Abraham will bring that a little bit more into focus here in just a moment. But we started talking about God's purpose, and we actually read about it. Sandra read it for us this morning. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, God's purpose is fairly clear. God's purpose can be seen in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. From Genesis to Revelation, this is God's ongoing purpose that he is drawing a people to himself. We know that not everyone will come. The Bible says that narrow is the way, and few there be that find it, but broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. We know that not everyone is going to choose that path, but multiplied millions already have, and multiplied millions will. There will be a population in the new heaven and the new earth that will be staggering, I believe, in its scope and its size. And it will be God's people gathered together. And so that is his purpose. Abraham put us on to that. The big question, what was the big question that we began to ask in light of God's purpose? We read about it in Ephesians, remember? Ephesians, that passage talks to us about what, who we are apart from Christ. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, and that we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's who we were like the rest of mankind. And the big question, 
What about the rest? What about the rest? What stirs in our hearts when that question is asked? What about the rest? What about those that are yet to hear, yet to be called, yet to have their hearts stirred to say yes to Jesus Christ? What about the rest? And what role do we play in pursuing them? In the same way that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And He has given to us this task of being His ambassadors. And so there is a sense in which that question should always be being asked in our hearts. What about the rest? And what role has God asked me to play in reaching His people that He's bringing to Himself so in Abraham, we, we were offering this, this phrase. As Abraham was giving us a, that 30,000-foot view we talked about, we were looking at that in Abraham and in David. In Abraham, we said, here's, here's what's ultimately on the heart of God. That through the saving work of Jesus Christ and the agency of the Holy Spirit, God the Father is gathering a people to declare His praises Delight in the joy of His triune love and participate. And participate. That's the what about the rest category. And participate in the eternal plan of His ever-expanding glory and dominion. This is what Abraham keyed us into. This is what is carried out throughout the Scriptures. And we see culminating, or if you will, beginning in Revelation as the, as the next chapter of God's uh, eternal story opens, opens up. David told us something in Psalm 2 about our Lord Jesus Christ, this messianic psalm. And this passage particularly, it's 7 and 8 of Psalm 2, I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me, you are my son. This was the Father talking to the Son. God the Father talking to God the Son. He said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Everything belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when it comes to this inheritance, Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. See, we know that what God had said to Abraham was that through his seed, he would bless the nations. And that seed he spoke about was the seed that we know as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was going to come down through the lineage of Abraham. He would be born... He was the seed. He was the one who would bring about cataclysmic, cosmic change by His death and by His burial and resurrection, by His obedience to the Father and by His ascension to the Father. Jesus is the seed of Abraham, but we also then are Abraham's offspring if we are in Christ. And if we are, then we are heirs. We are heirs. 
When Jesus came out of the tomb, He announced, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Now begins Project Reclamation. Now begins Project Redemption through My people through you I have chosen, my disciples, you are going to take this gospel and we're going to bring it to the entire world because now is the time to populate the kingdom of God and prepare for that day when earth and heaven will be one. And so we know that we share in this promise. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. What belongs to Jesus belongs to us. What belongs to Jesus belongs to us. And so we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to look after that inheritance, to care for it, to unfold it, to expand it, to reveal it as we pray and as we share Christ and share the gospel and people give their hearts to Jesus. We are seeing the the, the, the kingdom being revealed. We're seeing the very borders of the kingdom on earth grow as people give their hearts to Christ. We are co-heirs with Him. Now, we know Jacob revealed something to us very important, that we all struggle in this battle we have with our flesh. Jesus calls us to be His ambassadors but every one of us struggles with our cooperation with that. There are different things that work against us. But two things were highlighted for us in David's messages on the life of Jacob. And, and, and one is the problem of self-exaltation. Self-exaltation. I, um, I have an ongoing <clears throat> conversation going on with a, uh, a person who goes by the name ex-queer pastor. And he um, posts, I'm not going to say where, what, he posts places and he posts blasphemous things and he, and he attacks uh, Christianity and, and he has... Um, um, I entered into conversation with him. He's attacked me, called me some very vile uh, things and, and names like, uh, well, you know, just some very vile things. And we continue, we continue to talk uh, back and forth. He's a deeply wounded, deeply hurt person. I don't know the whole story. But somewhere along the line, he pastored a church. Somewhere along the line, I don't know what happened. I, things are kind of unraveling or unfolding as we go along. But somewhere along the way, he was deeply wounded and deeply hurt, angry. And he has, and his bitterness has turned into um, disdain. Um, there's, there's, there's so many people out there so many people that it would be easy for us just to go, eh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to engage with that person. They scare me. They make me uncomfortable. 
Uh, Their views make me uncomfortable. Their ideas, their values, their morality make me very, very uncomfortable. I would rather not engage with them. How can we do that? How can we choose not to engage with those who need Christ? Regardless of their story, regardless of their background, how could we not engage with those who need to know Christ? So we want to be careful because our flesh can steer us into that kind of thinking. We would never phrase it this way, that they're just not worth saving. But our actions sometimes can indicate that if we're not careful. The other thing we deal with is self-preservation. Right? We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to experience negative consequences. We don't want to be humiliated. We don't, we don't want to be in a, put on the spot in a situation and feel like we're embarrassing ourselves. So, so these things, our flesh will resist our attempts to share the gospel. And by the way, never forget that behind all of that, there is an enemy of our souls and an enemy of every soul who's fueling that thinking. And we have to be watchful for. So, pray and go. Given that we know God's purpose, given that we know that He's called us, and that we don't want to be people who are exalting ourselves, and we don't want to be people who are giving into our flesh, we want to be people on mission with God and His purpose in this world. And so, pray and go is our step. So, we won't read all these scriptures today. The Ephesians passage talks about, again, this inheritance that we've received. And, and I know that many of us, when we think of the word inheritance, we think in terms of, of, uh, of heavenly reward of some kind that really, frankly, is kind of nebulous, right? It's just there's some kind of reward. I know the Bible speaks about crowns. That's one thing it speaks about. Um, the Bible speaks about Jesus preparing a place for us, so maybe we think that you know, we're going to have some really cool-looking abode that we're going to get to stay in that's going to be part of our reward or our inheritance. But, but that word inheritance, see, the Bible doesn't say there's a reward stored up for you. It says there's an inheritance that is stored up for you. And, and I'm more and more and more as I read the Scriptures, as I ponder these things, I believe that inheritance, that inheritance is this earth. The earth is the Lord's, and the meek will inherit the earth. The earth will be made new. This earth which, has been, which was groaning under the weight of the curse, Jesus has broken that curse and the earth will be redeemed right along with the rest of God's people. We will be made new, our bodies made new, this earth made new. And I believe that this idea of inheritance has something to do with our families, our loved ones, our co-workers, our friends, those that we are sharing Christ with, those that we are praying for, 
those that we have reached out to in one way or another and have had some hand in them coming to Christ. This will be something of the inheritance that we enjoy. So, Jeff, you sure about that? I, I'm more sure of that than I am most things because I am very sure of this because I believe that Jesus asked the Father for every nation and that there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation gathered around the throne of God. That is His inheritance and I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And so this place, Northern Virginia, Manassas, where he has me, this place is part of the inheritance. It belongs to Jesus, and he's put me here as his ambassador and as a co-heir. I want to be someone who helps to bring in the harvest of that inheritance. Are you tracking with me? Yeah? Okay. So, that's in there. Now, we know we have opposition, don't we? Our opposition, John 10.10. 10. What does the thief come to do? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. What does he want to steal? The inheritance. What does he want to kill? The inheritance. What does he want to destroy? The inheritance. He wants to destroy our children. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our loved ones, our families. This entire nation, of course, he wants to destroy. But it comes down to a very personal level. That there is an enemy that is at work among us. The Bible says that the enemy prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him. And again, like most things, I, I listen to that and I hear that personally. He wants to devour me. And so I must resist him. And I'm suggesting that we need to start thinking this way. There's somebody he wants to devour that I love. There's someone he wants to devour that God cares about. And I must resist him on their behalf. I must resist him on their behalf. Our tools, gospel readiness and bolder moving prayer. Bolder moving prayer. We talked about the armor of God, and I tried to reframe that for you a bit in the idea of how it relates to being gospel ready to enter this battle. But we cannot enter this battle without prayer. We cannot enter the battle without prayer. At the very end of that section in Ephesians where Paul says, pray, you know, have the armor of Christ, what does he say then? And pray for me for open doors to share the gospel of Christ. Nothing advances without prayer. Nothing. Nothing. And so, pray and go. And we've talked about this through Colossians. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. We talked about each of these things where Paul described what he was asking them to do in terms of prayer. He said, I need you to pray steadfastly. That's what pray and go is about. It's about praying steadfastly. It means that along with our other prayers and our regular prayers for loved ones, families, etc., 
that at least once a month there's a group of people out of Clear River that are in neighborhoods and they are walking in their neighborhoods and they are praying against the enemy's opposition to their neighbors, their friends, etc. from hearing the gospel. We are praying and asking God to move and we're doing it not just once, not a flash in the pan type of thing. Let's all go pray. Okay, great, good. Check, you know, check that off. No, no, no. Steadfastly, gratefully, we are redeemed. We are so grateful for what God's done for us, and so we want to pray with gratitude. We pray watching. We're not, we're not just going through life with, you know, um, uh, oblivious to what's going on around us, but we're saying, Holy Spirit, help us to be watchful. Help me to pay attention to what's happening in my neighborhood. Help me to pay attention to what's happening in our schools. Help me to pay attention to what's happening in our government. God, help us. <laughs> right? Help, help, help me to pay attention to what's happening around me so that I can pray effectively and pray accordingly. So we're watching. We're praying for open doors. Open doors. Open doors to do what? To declare the gospel. To speak the gospel. And we are counting the cost. Paul said, for this reason, I'm in prison. For this reason, I'm in chains. For this reason, declaring Christ, I am an ambassador in chains. Gratefully, no chains on us. Right now, there is freedom Right now, we have opportunity. Right now, we can speak freely about our love for Christ. But there can be opposition. The enemy will oppose us. The enemy will hate this. He'll hate the fact that we're praying. There'll be spiritual opposition. We need to pray for our church. You need to pray for me. There'll be opposition, and we need to be praying against that, resisting the enemy over our church family. There'll be opposition. You're going to run into people who are going to be nasty or mean. There'll be people who are going to be, who will reject you. There are people who may threaten you. Uh, there, there, there are situations where you may feel that you've really got to speak up, but it's going to mean that a relationship might get divided. Those things happen. But we have to be willing to speak up when the Holy Spirit says, now is the time to speak. Now is the time to speak. And then we need to pray for clarity. And as you see, I wrote, coming up. <laughs> That's coming up. It's coming up in that we will be talking about that in October, and there'll be more coming about about that. So here's my... Here's where I want to just land today before we hit next Sunday. How's the Lord leading you? Now, we've talked about this in terms of a let's go, everybody on board, boom. And I would love for that to be the case. I would love for it if every single person in our church family was out praying together and seeking uh, God's, uh, God's miraculous intervention and work in all of our neighborhoods and communities and families. But I'm... But, but, but really, the, the issue is how is the Lord leading you? What is He speaking to your heart? Are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to pray? 
we have area leaders ready to go. They are ready to go. If you go to your app on the phone, or if you just go um, directly to clearriver.org slash pray dash and dash go, you will find that website. And on that site, there's some information about pray and go, and then there are some maps that are already up there. These are maps of people who I have either spoken to. So there are area maps. For instance, Dave and Chris, there's a map of their area. And we've spoken to them. They want to be a part of this. There's a map of Jason Nicole area. Nicole's one of the first people to call me and said, I'm in. I want to do this. There's a map of Jody and Mike area. And they caught me in the hallway. Jody said, we're in. We want to be a part of this. I've asked a couple of people, but by and large, these are people that have said that they want to do this. And I think it's important as a church that you don't feel like we're ordering people into something. That's not who we are. This is not a program. This is a move of God's Spirit. This is a move of the Lord in this day. And so we want you to be praying about and rise to this occasion in whatever way the Lord may want you to do that. So, for instance... Um, you may say, well, you know, I don't know that I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for the, my neighborhood or whatever, but I'd like, to, I'd like to go with some people and see how it's done. I'd like to go pray with another couple. And so these couples, people that are these, that are these maps, they'll welcome you. They would love for you to come and to pray along with them. They would love for you to come and pray with them. And then you can get an idea of how that works and what, how simple it is, how easy it is to do, and then you can go with them. Um, if you want to say, hey, my, my neighbor's neighborhood's not on here. I want to be a part of this. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I want to begin to pray now for my neighborhoods. Now, what's going to happen? In fact, go down to the Jenkins one. All right, see that yellow line right there? Okay, so what's going to happen is all of our area leaders, as they walk these streets and pray, and as they give out these door hangers, or we also have just three-by-five cards that you can give to people as you're walking, they will come back and they're going to mark those streets. So each week, this map's just going to roll by, and we're going to see growing numbers as homes upon dozens of homes upon hundreds of homes, and over the year, a thousand homes or more, we're going to see these yellow lines. And then we expand the neighborhoods as we go from there. So you can scroll through those maps and see. If your neighborhood's not there, but you want your neighborhood to be there, and you want to participate, you want to right out of the gate with us say, yes, I am ready to go on this, then let me know. And we'll add you in there. And what I am hoping and praying is that there will be a core team of us who will be willing to come to your neighborhood. I want to show up with you in some of your neighborhoods when you get ready to, when you're going to pray and say, I'll walk with you. 
Give me some things. I'll bring somebody. <clears throat> we'll take a couple of streets for you and we'll pray. We, if we believe what we believe, if there's going to be congruency between what we say we believe and what we practice, then this step is a step towards congruency. We've said all along, we believe that things happen when we pray that would not have happened had we not prayed. Do we believe that? Do we believe that things happen when we pray? Do we believe that God has ordained prayer as a means by which He acts? Scripture says it is. Scripture says to us clearly, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. When Paul says pray steadfastly for open doors, imagine this. Imagine Paul in modern day churches saying, okay guys, we got to get the gospel out. There's a lot of opposition. I'm just out of prison. I'm not sure how much time I've got for they grab me and throw me back in. I'm asking you to pray for open doors. Pray for open doors. Pray that I'll have opportunity to declare the gospel. Pray for yourselves that God will give you open doors and opportunities to declare the gospel. I need you guys to pray, okay? And what will we do in modern churches today? We would say, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be praying for you. And likely, never pray. How many of you ever told somebody that you'd be praying for them and then you totally blanked and forgot to pray? Am I the only one, the pastor, the only one who's ever done that? Oh, good, okay. I see some people, okay, great, wonderful. It's just, way, it's just, it's just our life. We're, we're just, we are so busy and so consumed by so many things and so... How we respond in this moment, how we respond as a church in this moment, I think is vital. It's vital. So let me know. So um, where is the Lord leading you? We have area leaders ready to go. You can offer to pray with others. If you're, if you're not ready to say, ah, no, I don't know. I just want to go try this out. There's, there's people you can pray with. We'll give you more information next uh, next uh, Sunday about that when we get ready to go. And then finally here, all we're talking about as a church, what we're asking is this, one hour, once a month, as long as there's a harvest. One hour, once a month, as long as there is a harvest. If we believe that things happen when we pray, then let's pray. Let's do that. Let's put feet to what we're doing. But uh, on this, under the notes today, this was uh, by uh, Dr. Thomas White. So, so not all of this is in your sermon notes today. Let me show you what I've added. So three ways to pray when you go. Okay, wait, stop there. So first way, pray for the saved but uncommitted. That's a whole group. There's an entirely huge group of unchurched people out there that have been, they've become either apathetic or complacent, they've maybe been wounded or abused, and so we want to be praying for them. And then, look, go down a second way. Pray for the unsaved in your community, and there are certain ways to pray. And then look at this. Why pray for the unsaved? I love this. 
but what, they can refuse to go to church. They can refuse to listen to your witness. They can throw away your books. They can refuse to let you in. They can hang up on you, but they can't prevent Jesus from knocking on the door of their hearts in response to your prayers. That they cannot stop. Amen? That's a good reason to be praying for them. How to intercede for the lost. Present them to the Father in the name of Jesus. Ask God to bring His Holy Spirit to bear on their lives. Ask God to take away any false sense of security. Ask God to expose all lies of the enemy and to exercise mercy and grace. Then it says, claim your community for Christ. We need to be about that business. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. We're going to stop right there. I, I don't know. I hope, I hope some of you are feeling this like I'm feeling this, that you are excited to participate in this because I believe God is going to do something. And we're not trying to trot out rah-rah and, and, and do some kind of big major, you know, push all together. We're just, we're just going to begin. And we're going to be consistent. And we're going to be steady. And we're going to believe God. And, and I believe that there'll be many of us out there that are so excited about it that we will do more than just one hour a month. We'll get out and pray more often than that because we know the difference it makes. I'm looking forward to a testimony in this church of how many homes we have prayed for, how many conversations we were able to have on the streets or in our homes, and how many opportunities we had that people let us pray with them right then and there in that moment. And let's believe that as we do this, we are moving away the rubble of the enemy. We're moving away his boulders of opposition. And we are saying, this atmosphere must change. And we are praying for open doors and freedom for the gospel and ears to hear it. In Jesus' name. Amen.